So many things have ruined my childhood So I go on like to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh-huh, uh-huh. Predators, uh-huh. Marvel, uh-huh. DC, uh-huh. Maybe it doesn't all quite fit Okay, well, except maybe for that Jar Jar Binks Could it be I've misunderstood This podcast ruined my childhood Hello and welcome to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. I'm Phil Durasmo and with me is Eric Walensky. Hey Phil, I'm thinking we better do this podcast twice just to be sure we killed it. Sounds like a double tap kind of situation to me. And why am I alive when everyone around me has turned to meat? It's because of my list of rules. Rule number one for surviving Zombieland, cardio. You had to get a gun and learn how to use it. Which leads me to my second rule, the double tap. In those moments when you're not sure the undead are really dead dead, don't get all stingy with your bullets. I mean, one more clean shot to the head. And this lady could have avoided becoming a human Happy Meal. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. It wasn't long before the zombies began to get clever. When you're at your most vulnerable, somehow they could just smell it. Don't let them catch you with your pants down. Rule number three, beware of bathrooms. As zombies began to outnumber humans, well, that's when you had to cut all emotional ties. If the girls in your neighborhood are now fucked up little monsters, well, maybe it's time to stop driving carpool. You had to focus on your own survival, which leads to rule number four. Pretty basic. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy ride. That's right, everybody. This week, we are going to be tackling another horror franchise, which is Zombieland. Eric, can you give me any of the rules that uh, you follow when you watch Zombieland? Any rules I follow when I watch or if I were in a actual zombie apartment? No, no, when you watch. Like for me, my rule number one is make sure I go to the bathroom before I turn it on. And rule number two is make sure that it's nighttime. Rule number three is make sure I have my uh, my lights that are surrounding my TV in the, the my ambient lighting set to red because, you know, horror movies and red have to go together. You follow any rules when you try to watch a movie? <laughs> uh, I Yeah, rule one, uh, phone is uh, on silent and and or off Two, volume is at sufficient level three. Uh, I've gone to the bathroom. So I don't have to mm. get up. That's number three for you. Interesting. Yeah. And then four. I don't know. <laughs> Seems like I've taken us down a little rabbit hole. But yeah, everybody, we're going to be discussing Zombieland, which um, was, you know, in, in my humble opinion, one of the best zombie movies that had come out in a long time. Now, since this is still October and spooky season, um, I I think one thing that I need to make sure everybody understands is that horror movies are up there in my favorite of all genres. One of my favorites of all genres and Zombieland came out at a time when I was just in like a zombie craze. So in 2009, this movie came out and just blew me away. It was fun. 
It was funny. It was gruesome and gory. And it put a different spin on the zombie apocalypse. And it really shined the light on what would happen to, you know, someone like me or someone like you if we really were hit with a zombie apocalypse. There would be people out there trying to figure out how to survive. There would be people out there just having fun killing zombies. There would be people out there with rules on how to stay alive. Um, it, it took the the genre in a way that was a little bit different than what we'd seen, which is that the outbreak happens and they're running against time to get to a lab or they're trying to figure out how to stop it. There was none of that here. They just had to live with it and figure out how to live best with it. So I I don't know, Eric, how do you feel about the first Zombieland? Yeah, well, it's definitely a lighthearted look at uh, the apocalypse for sure. Uh, I'd say, uh, you know, Shaun of the Dead took us there uh, five years prior mm-hmm. with a more sure. fun, tongue-in-cheek kind of look, you know. That one, obviously, unique stories. That one was more about how oblivious the characters were to the real dangers at first and everything. and And they're experiencing it you know, as it happened. Whereas Zombieland, you know, when we meet Columbus and Tallahassee, it's evident that the apocalypse has gone on for quite some time because of all the cars that are wrecked and all the buildings and all the destruction and everything. So um, I liked I liked what Zombieland did. Um, they, they didn't waste any time. They did, just alluded to a virus that happened to come in and wreak havoc. You know, there's there's nothing major. That was another thing Shaun of the Dead did. It it very loosely and kind of comically at the end wrapped up that it was some sort of uh, rabid monkey virus from space, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and and that's that's great. See, that's um, and I think, and I'm kind of jumping around here, but that's that's what zombie movies need more than any other monster genre is a good set of interesting characters that you can identify with and that you can follow along with and that you care about because a zombie as a monster obviously there's no real backstory there it's an undead creature coming to eat your brain right there there's no like even if even if that person used to be somebody like walking dead had a couple of those where we saw like merle come back from the dead and Mm -hmm. and um uh john bernthal's character came back from the dead uh, they had their backstory and everything, and and we only see them momentarily as zombies before they're before they're killed. But but I think that's why why Zombieland works is because you you just come to like the characters. You you're, you're interested in their story, and and a zombie movie is not going to work if you really don't care about those people. Um, I know you could say that about other horror movies as well, but it's it's Freddy Krueger has a backstory. You know, Jason right. Voorhees has a backstory. There's there's more mystery around where did this monster come from and how do we stop it? And and that's what makes those interesting. Whereas a zombie movie, you know, you can just explain that's oh, a virus. Go. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And in this movie that, you know, they don't even try to tackle it, which is which is great. You know, it's kind of like you said in, in Shaun of the Dead, same kind of thing. They don't say where it came from. It's just happening. And it's happening around them and they're oblivious to it. But yeah, you you said it's like they're hap- they're there for the outbreak. I just love the fact that um, Zombieland takes place months 
probably, maybe a year into the outbreak. Uh, we don't ever really get a defined timeline. And even with the second movie, which we'll we'll talk about in a little bit, um, we don't get a defined timeline as to how long it's been since it all started and how long even it's been between movies when we come, uh, you know, 10 years later to shoot Zombieland Double Tap. Um, we just know it's been quite some time, but we, you know, they're not they're not adhering to any timeline that we can tell because even when you know i was watching double tap trying to figure out when when is this they're celebrating christmas but abigail breslin's character of little rock says it's november 17th it isn't even christmas so everything's all kinds of wacky november 17th it's actually life day that's true it is that's probably why they were celebrating christmas on the most important holiday uh that for makes chewbacca that makes and his sense. family mm-hmm. for sure yeah, I can't wait till we get to that episode of the show. Well, you, you did hit on one minor point there, Abigail Breslin. The other actors, the other three principals are old enough that it's kind of indiscernible that it's been from 2009 to 2019, whereas Abigail Breslin was certainly a younger person. Mm-hmm. You know, 10 years does a lot more to, you know, a child than it does to a middle-aged person um, as far as telling what their age is. So sure. You could still probably have maybe got away with saying five years had passed, but I don't think you could say anything less than that just based on the way Abigail aged. Sure, sure. I completely agree. So, you know, we made light of it before, but the rules are so fun. The way that Ruben Fleischer filmed this movie um, and, and the way that he directed the the CG or special effects team to put up the rules on the screen and have the zombies or, or other things in the real world interact with the words that were on the screen mm-hmm. was genius. I thought it was hilarious to watch and it just added an extra element to, to what I was enjoying. Um, and then in zombie land two in double tap, they do the same kind of thing, uh, which they take it to another level, which is, is funny as well. We've talked about the Scream franchise, and of course, Scream had rules, um, and they were more, you know, meta, tongue-in-cheek, poking fun at the genre kind of rules. You know, don't have sex, don't do drugs, never say, I'll be right back. And that made Scream work as a more, quote, realistic look at, you know, zombie or horror movies, whereas the Zombieland rules, I thought were very interesting because it's the sort of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think of. But then when you hear it, you're like, well, that makes sense. Like rule number one, cardio, yep. you know, he, <laughs> he says the first people to go were the out of shape people. That makes mm-hmm. sense because yep, sure does. that's, that's what happens is uh and in, and of course this particular iteration of zombies, very quick. Yes. It's just a very quick kind of zombie here. You know, I'd, I'd like to think that, you know, in a Walking Dead sluggish zombie world, you know, I'm worlds ahead of, you know, pretty much most normal people because mm-hmm. I keep myself in shape. But even against these particular zombies, my goodness, you've still got to be able to move pretty quick. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Um, you know, number 18, rule 18, limber up. <laughs> make sure you yeah. stretch before you know you're going to go fight some zombies yes 
But then I love the counter, which is, does a lion limber up before it goes after a gazelle? Mm -hmm. And that actually makes Columbus think for a second. (laughs) Jesse Eisenberg actually gives that a, huh, yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Pretty funny. I will say, though, uh, I don't know about lions, but when my dogs are ready to pounce on something, they give themselves a little stretch and then they get in the down dog position, which is another little stretch. So it's a bit of limbering up. (laughs) (laughs) so we meet these characters uh, you've already said columbus tallahassee little rock and um wichita wichita yeah and they're just well fleshed out characters we meet them and we immediately know who they are there's no there's no crazy world building that needs to happen other than the fact that we know they're in a zombie apocalypse but because the fact that they're in in a a post-apocalyptic world, everybody kind of just wears their heart on their sleeves. There's no sense in just being nice or friendly um, just for the sake of being nice or friendly. You, you do it because you want something or you're going to take something. (laughs) And so I, I really like how everybody's just kind of honest with their intentions in, in zombie land. Uh, and it kind of makes for character development that just goes very quickly and makes you feel engaged with the writing of the story. Well, you brought up a good point, though. You said that characters are fully fleshed out immediately, whereas I think Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson are fleshed out immediately. But you do need that little bit of crime backstory for Emma Stone uh, and Abigail Breslin's characters because... Otherwise, it seems like there's no real reason to be distrusting of Jesse and Woody initially because they they kind of come back there and it's like, oh, my sister has, you know, she's been bitten mm-hmm. and they're very sympathetic right away and they're very caring and they don't seem menacing or mean or right. or anything where you'd be apprehensive of these guys and and so it's almost like, well, why why'd they do that? And it's because in the real world, that's all those two characters knew was how yeah. to take care of themselves, how to grift other people and protect their own well-being. So mm-hmm. you would just think that that would naturally carry over. But I think they definitely needed that little bit of, you know, post story to give sure. them. Sure. Yeah, I, I I get that and I see that. But I do think that we know as soon as we know that they're grifting them, we know who they are. You know, I, I, I knew that Emma Stone was going to do whatever it took to save her sister. And regardless of how she grew up or any backstory to her, she was kind of a no holds barred, just get it done. We have to survive kind of, kind of chick. Well, but they could have done that because ultimately they team up on the second meeting up when Woody and Jesse have the uh the Hummer there the Hum is that an H2 or an H3 H H2 I think yeah yeah but don't they try to steal it again i mean it's it's no there there's no attempt to steal it at that point um Emma Stone okay. tells Jesse Eisenberg just you know hop in you're riding shotgun and and they just leave Woody Harrelson in the in the car with Abigail there's there's no get out you're done mm-hmm. you know there's a brief line where they you know, hey, thanks for not leaving us in the middle of nowhere. But they could have done that from the beginning. I think in a zombie world, if you found two nice people who are willing to be helpful 
that you'd, you'd stick you'd, with them. You'd <laughs> stick with them, safety and numbers at at that point. So, sure. I'm not I'm not throwing that out the window. Of course, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not saying. Well, why didn't they just team up with them right away? Because then that's no story. You're just collecting a <laughs> bunch of characters, and you know you got to do a little bit of drama because then that ultimately you know, leads to the climax where Emma Stone's grifter instinct kicks in again. And it's like, okay, no, this is too nice. I like you, but I'm still doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. And they take off. And then ultimately that final scene where they come to their rescue, that's what finally makes them see, okay, we are better as a team. These guys do care. Yep. So, yeah, but I guess that's what I was thinking very- about is that they do try to get away one more time, but Right. It, was it like makes own. for it makes for definitely a well-rounded film and and again, it it's the ensemble that makes this work. It's it's yeah. good writing, it's crisp, but but it's acted so well. It's it's honestly one of my favorite Woody Harrelson movies mm-hmm. because he's he's so good and and I, I I don't can't really think of anything I've not liked him in except maybe the solo, but that really wasn't his fault. And I almost still like him because he's Woody. It's just he didn't fit well with the solo movie, but um, that's getting off track. My point <laughs> is, I, sure. I thought Woody Harrelson was was perfect in this. He's so funny. And the scene when they meet Bill Murray and he goes over the top in his respect and adoration for Bill Murray and he just keeps gushing. And I'm just thinking, like, these guys were in kingpin together and i just wonder like if they like got along and they were having all these laughs and then woody's like hey i'm gonna be in this movie and dude we need a big star to be the guy we got to bring you along and and then to gush to him even though they're basically on the you know they're in the same stratosphere of actor mm-hmm. relatively you know so yeah that just made that much more funnier to me to to watch a star gush about another star and anyway, yeah. very funny, <laughs> very funny. Just, I mean, you can't go and talk about these movies without talking about Bill Murray. So it's just he he is amazing in in his cameo. I, I just can't say enough about how, you know, we love Bill Murray. We love him um, in Ghostbusters. We love him in Stripes. We love him in pretty much everything he's ever been in. Uh, but the fact that Bill Murray is in this movie and goes in and pretends to be a zombie to then get killed, which then comes back in the second movie where they call killing someone who's not a zombie as murraying somebody is hilarious. It's hilarious. And, but if I'm going to nitpick anything, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> how did anybody it. ever know about it? I know it's, I how think that the same around? exact the thing. Only, the only four people who knew about it. <laughs> Who did they talk to to spread this around? Yeah. Um, You'd think that maybe Bill Murray didn't actually die when he died like 15 times. And he got up and wrote a note that I was killed. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how anybody would know because it doesn't make any sense. But it's funny. And it's funny that they got him to do another cameo at the end of Zombieland 2 where he's on the Garfield 3 press junket. Yes. And it's during the zombie outbreak where Al Roker, I guess, is one of the first people that contracts the virus. Yes. Pre- pretty funny. Um, 
I, I, I think it's it's even funnier too because it's referenced in the first Zombie Land when he asks him if he has any regrets, and he says yeah. maybe Garfield. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then that comes back in the in the extra scene. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do notice though, Phil, they do not double tap Bill Murray, so perhaps he does come back and somehow mm-hmm. manage to. He, yeah. he was a zombie. But I'm just saying, he was not double tapped. Right. I don't know what they were thinking on that one. Yep, they just left him there to die and become a zombie, which is very weird. Yeah. But um, but anyway, I, I give Zombieland 1, it, like I've already said, I've gushed about it enough. It, it You're right, five years after Shaun of the Dead, when Shaun of the Dead rewrote how we could look at zombie movies, this was the perfect entry that I could see as a follow-up to something like Shaun of the Dead. You know, I don't need another Dawn of the Dead. We got that, and it was it was good. The remake of Dawn of the Dead is a great remake, but we didn't need another movie like that. We needed something more lighthearted and fun, and this is exactly what we got. And what's funny is the year after Zombieland came out and people were loving zombies, that's the year Walking Dead started on TV. So this movie kind of reinvigorated that passion for everyone not just myself let's jump 10 years ahead though and talk about the sequel so Zombieland 2 or Zombieland Double Tap came out in 2019 and it was a movie that was a long time coming Um, they had originally written Zombieland as a tv show and it didn't get picked up so they made the movie of Zombieland and so what they tried to then do after that was go back to the well for tv and try to create a TV adaptation that would continue the series. And uh, I think you can find the episode, the pilot episode. It used to be on Amazon Video. I don't know if it still is on Amazon Prime, but it used to be there. And it came out in like 2012 or 2013, but the pilot wasn't picked up. I mean, the, the actors that played the characters were really blah. <laughs> None of them were anybody good. Um, but the TV show failed. And so they, they just kept talking about a sequel and a sequel and a sequel. And Woody Harrelson had always said he wanted to do it because he loved playing Tallahassee, but there was just too much going on for, for the director, the writers and the actors. But luckily they were able to come back together. So I'm sorry, you were about to say something. Well, your, your fact about the TV show with the, the actors being blah. And, and that was my point earlier is that, to carry a zombie movie, you have to have interesting, relatable characters. That's why The Walking Dead was so interesting because you had this really interesting story going with the humans. And the zombies are just the little raw factor that just pops up once in a while. But if you had bland characters and bland story, zombies don't carry a show like that. But theoretically, Theoretically, you could make a Freddy Krueger TV show because Freddy is the interesting part of it. And you could have kind of a lackluster human crew, as it were. But but if when you flip that around, you have a faceless monster. You've mm-hmm. got to have that engaging. Yeah, engaging for sure. dynamic for sure. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, that, that TV show failed because they just couldn't they couldn't pull together the the magic that the cast in the in the film did. Mm-hmm. 
But so we did get, you know, 10 years, I think it was like 20, the end of 2017 or early 2018, where they announced that they were making Double Tap. And I had one of those sequel moments that a lot of people get when they think about things ruining their childhood, where I said to myself, oh man, the first one was perfect. And it's been so long. I just don't think we need another one. And I actually didn't, I, I all the trailers, nothing got me excited to see Double Tap. I truly was on the fence about it and, and didn't see it in theaters and when it came out in 2019. And it's, you know, it's kind of twofold that I don't make time with work and my daughter and wife. I don't, I don't make a whole lot of time to go to the movies unless it's something epic that I really want to see. But on top of that, I just didn't want this franchise or, you know, what is now becoming this franchise to be ruined by a subpar entry. I didn't see it until it came out on digital. So what what about you when you first heard that they were making Double Tap? I mean, I know that you liked the first movie, too. And I also know that horror really isn't your bag. So liking Zombieland and, and you know, before that Shaun of the Dead, were you excited for Double Tap? Or were you thinking the same way I kind of was that they're going to come along and ruin this awesome movie? Well, I didn't see the first Zombieland. Um, that was a, a rental for me at some point. Uh, I saw that on the small screen, and I, I really enjoyed it. And as far as it uh, not enjoying horror, this, to me, way falls on the side of comedy, um, before I would call it horror. Sure. It's, it's gross, certainly, but the horror aspect, the way I feel about it, is the same way with Shaun of the Dead. There's no real horror in that to me. You know, the zombies are almost a joke, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're a joke in themselves to necessitate, again, the great character dynamic. So uh, so when I heard that they were making uh, Double Tap or that Double Tap is going to be out, I was like, oh, cool, because that first one was so good. And and part of me did think like, you know, it was it's such a perfect movie. It just wraps up nicely. You didn't need to go anywhere else with it. You just assume these characters are out there, especially after it being physically 10 years later, mm -hmm. um, not just like a movie set 10 years later. It was literally a 10 years later, uh, you know, so that just makes me think like what's happening behind the scenes here. Why did it take 10 years? Could you not get the cast together? Could you not get the writing together? Nobody could agree on a script. You know, you get nervous that you're going to see like a written by and there's going to be like a phone book of names who wrote this. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, geez, this is going to be all over the place. Um, mm -hmm. But then once I started watching it and yeah, you, you immediately you can tell that these characters or these actors rather like being these characters you know you can see woody harrelson just having a blast and and eisenberg you know uh is, is just having a good old time being you know being the second guy you know being the columbus yeah. and and uh the only thing i didn't like and i wouldn't say any of this ruins the integrity of the first one it's just that basically this was one of those sequels that was almost exactly the first one again you've got you know characters taking off and you got to go find characters again even if the motivations are different you're still going after people there's still a hesitance for people to fully come together and accept that you know because i thought we'd establish yeah. that at the end of zombie land you know it's like oh you guys care about us we care about you we're a family together 
I think Eisenberg even says that. That's one of his last yep. lines in, mm-hmm. in a voiceover is about finding family. And now here we are some point later, one year, two years, five, whatever. And Emma Stone still can't commit, you know, it's in a world where there's like very little choice. <laughs> she still can't even commit to, to, to Columbus and, and Abigail Breslin, you know, little rock wanting to grow up and see other things. Like I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but again, it, it just kind of became almost a rehash of the first one um, mm-hmm. with, with a, with a love interest for Woody Harrelson thrown in the mix. Sure. Sure. Who, and Rosaria Dawson is great in the movie. She's, oh, for sure. she's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely agree with you though. Um, when I did watch it on digital the first time, I've now watched it three times since I got it uh, in 2019. I so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little bit of backstory on why I thought why I didn't want to see this movie in 2019, and that's because in January of 2019 I was in Sundance. I was at Sun, the Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah, and I saw a zombie movie that I thought was one of the best I'd seen since 2016's Train to Busan. So about three years before, and that's a, uh, I believe, Korean movie. It is on Netflix. If anybody hasn't seen it, go check it out. But I haven't seen a zombie movie that I've loved since that in 2016. And I check out zombie movies more than you'd think, which is, I don't know what that says about me as a person. But (laughs) every once in a while, you know, at least once a month, I'm scrolling through Prime Video or Netflix for a zombie movie to watch. Well then, let me let me put that to you then, real quick, yeah. to, to interrupt your backstory. Um, what is it about the zombie movie that gets you? Because as as I've said, if you've got bland characters, it's going to be a bland movie mm-hmm. because sure. the, the monsters are are nondescript, and unless you can give me either a great story, which I would say um, twenty eight days later not necessarily an amazing character dynamic, but a great interesting great story, story mm-hmm. about what, what it would almost really be like. Yep. Um, yeah. So, so what, what, so, so, so again, yeah. Are you, are you looking for, do you appreciate that, that mix, that crazy mix of characters? This guy's a cop, this guy's a, you know, a fireman yeah. and she's a nurse and, and, you know, she's a teacher and they do this, you know, like, is that what sure. grabs you about these films? Do you, do you like watching that dynamic build? Do you like that kind of family made from nothing feel? Mm-hmm. Do you like the problem solving this? You're it? hitting it all, man. You're hitting it all right there. So for me, what I love about zombie movies, it is twofold. I love seeing a band of people, or I, I should say, I love seeing a group of people band together for a common goal. And that's, you know, I love superhero movies for that same kind of thing. Like the Avengers was awesome. That scene where the Avengers are all standing in New York City and there's this row, you know, the rotating shot around them. That's like a uh, geek gasm right there. And so in a <laughs> in a, uh, a zombie movie, when the group finally comes together and starts working together to destroy zombies, I feel that same sense of like horror gasm where <laughs> I love the fact that this this ragtag team that couldn't usually can never work together can finally sort out their differences. But of course, I have to care about the characters for that to happen, which is why so many zombie movies are not good because they don't flesh out the characters enough. They focus Mm -hmm. more on flesh eating than fleshing out characters. Mm -hmm. So 
But that's the other part. Sometimes I'm just looking to scroll on my phone while I'm playing a movie that I've never seen in the background. And in those instances, when I'm looking for a zombie movie, I'm more focused on the kills. I want to see some interesting ways that zombies corner people or track people or attack people. And I also want to see the really interesting ways that the lead and the lead characters are finding new ways to kill zombies, which every zombie movie has a, what do they call it in this in, in zombie land is zombie killer of the week. And in zombie land, double tap it's zombie killer of the year. (laughs) Um, Every zombie movie has one of those kills that you're just like, Oh yeah, that's what I, that's what I paid for admission for. So I'm looking for both of those things. I'm looking for that ragtag team to come together and create a family dynamic. And I'm looking for the gruesome, gory, both zombies eating people and zombies getting killed by the people. Interesting. And Train to Busan, not to speak too too much about that film, but it's a great character piece. Um, this This group of people is trapped on a train during a zombie outbreak. And the train is going to... Um, what they find out while they're on the train, it's going to Busan as a safe location. It's one of the last stops on the train and it's been deemed a safe zone. And of course, you know, when they get there, you find out what happened to Busan, but um, a sequel has just come out and I can't wait for that to hit the U S because I can't wait to see it. But anyway, um, going back to Sundance film festival, the movie little monsters came out in, in 2019 and it was, um, released at Sundance and, uh, my wife and I were there and we were in the premiere screening where the main actors were there and they all came out and did, um, a Q and a after the film. And it just makes the film all that more special when you get to see them in that environment, Lupita Nyong'o, Josh Gad, um, this amazing cast of children because it's a zombie movie with, with kids in it. Um, this amazing cast of kids that this you could tell this was their first movie, their first premiere. They were all so excited to be there. That whole experience made that movie special. So Little Monsters was up there as the best zombie movie I'd seen in 2019. And 2019 was only three or four weeks old. So I was, again, worried that Zombieland Double Tap was just going to be a retread of the first one. And it was going to be pretty much a boring film because it'll have shown me everything I had already seen. And guess what it did? Showed uh, me everything I'm, I'm, I had already seen. I was going to say, I'm going to guess it did. It did that because it didn't, didn't really have anything new. Yep. It, it just had a different location for its climax. It had a different setup. Yep. It, it showed you that there are more people in the world. Um, but, but those people, right. But that's those it. People came too late in the movie to make a real impact on the story. You know, you would have needed to have found them yep. in the middle of the movie to see like, oh, wow, look how they're working together or look how inefficient they are or or something, you know, to to make you get to a different type of conclusion. But ultimately, it's yep. just it's exactly just, they they sort of do find, you know, a happy safe zone and 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 then the end, because I, I really hope that that is the end. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't foresee a need for a zombie land three anymore. Um, I think one yeah. and two together yeah. zombie land three, wash your hands. <laughs> yeah. We're in zombie land three. Be- zombie land three. Uh, Beware of bathrooms. I don't know his third rule, but I, I, so yeah, I watched the movie and the whole intro 
was playing out just like the first movie, except this time they're all together. So it's like, it's exciting that we're seeing the characters still banded together. And it's like immediately taking off from the end of the first movie where they go and, you know, they go to the White House and then time passes and we don't know how long time passes. But then the exact same thing happens, which you've already brought up, that they they leave and it's they leave because they get spooked and they get spooked because the characters are two male uh, characters are overbearing. It's just the same thing we saw in the first movie. And there's no reason that there, there should have been different character arc or character development in this. Um, and it took up a whole 35 minutes of the film where, of course, now we get to go to a mall and we get to meet a fun new character in Madison. <laughs> but the, it's it's just the same the same thing again. Yeah. I do like one of the facts about this movie that I found was pretty funny is that the the lead actors, the four lead actors had final say on the vomit that was used. And so they could call cut in the middle of a scene and tell the the effects crew that they wanted different color or more or chunkier. And that's actually um, what they did on uh, on the scene with Madison throwing up just when mm-hmm. she gets out of the van. Uh, Woody Harrelson called for the VFX crew, or not the VFX, but the FX crew to come in and make it chunkier. <laughs> so that's that's a pretty interesting little tidbit that the lead actors had the ability to say, I want that vomit to look a little bit different. <laughs> um, that's interesting. Um, since you brought her up and, and, and again, talking about, you know, sort of a retread, throwing Madison in the mix was supposed to, I think, have had the effect of kind of mixing up the relationships, you know, making Wichita double think, you know, what she should be doing with Columbus and everything, which it sort of did. It sort of did. But uh, focusing more on Madison's arc, I was not happy with the way she got all sick because right away, as soon as she started throwing up, and I can't remember what it was she ate, but my first thought was, ah, this is a fake out because she's sick from this, the trail mix. mix. And then when she got outside and she starts throwing up and then they take her into the woods and Jesse Eisenberg comes back and you never saw anything. I'm like, okay, she's still alive. How is this going to work out? And then I kind of forgot about her. And then she just pops up at the end and it's like, Hey, I didn't die. And I'm like, wait, then what was your point? Like this was not well thought out. It it really wasn't (laughs) like as far as a foil to Wichita, there was no real competition there. I mean, I don't think, I, I think there was like a little bit of tension at one point and, you know, Madison was like, Oh, I'm all cozy with Columbus and, you know, Oh, you don't care. Do you, or mm-hmm. whatever. And Oh no, fine. And then she's all like, Oh, you find the first girl, which is sort of funny because again, they live, you know, however much time it's been since they got back from California. Cause at, at a certain point they, they, they did leave California to go all yeah. the way back to Washington, D.C. I would have thought staying in a warmer climate might have been a better idea. But uh, yeah, but that's but. neither here nor there. Um, 
So this is mm-hmm. the first person they've come across in two, three, four, five years, or were they running across other people who are like, Hey, we're cool too. We got our own thing going on. You know, there's no point in rebuilding society, safety and numbers. Ah, forget about it. You got four, we got six. We're good. It, it was just sort of weird yeah. that they introduced her after an unspecified amount of time and then just sort of kind of wasted her. Yeah, they definitely wasted her. I just don't, I don't understand how she survived in a freezer in the mall for what's probably six or seven years at this point. Right, she looked real healthy. It just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And she said it's because before the apocalypse, she did hot (laughs) yoga, but... Like, I guess she's still doing it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, the one bright spot of Zombieland Double Tap, I shouldn't say the one because there are two, two bright spots, but um, they both come in about the same time, which is Flagstaff and Albuquerque uh, in Tom Middleditch and Luke Wilson. Now, I know that it was a stupid gag to get two guys that are just the same as Jesse Eisenberg and but Woody it's Harrelson. Classic. But I still oh, thought it was hilarious. For the laughs. To get somebody who yeah. mirrors you, yep. but then those people don't see themselves in their own reflection. That's 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 a classic, yep. classic bit. I, I I liked it. Yeah. It was honestly it was the best part of the movie. And then the ensuing fight that breaks out after when they both go out to um, defeat the T-800s but get overtaken by them and become zombies themselves, that was the best action scene in the film, too. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but most of it is done in one continuous shot, which is really, really cool. And I love when movies do that, especially when it comes to, to action sequences. Because everything needs to hit its mm-hmm. mark exactly. Because you're breaking glass, you're breaking windows, you're breaking doors, you're going through things. And the fact that they, you could tell it's the real actors and not stunt doubles too in most of it. Uh, it's just really very, very well done. And I think that's the best sequence in the entire film. Um, I, I probably agree with you. Although I, I will say, and again, it's sort of a point I keep coming back to. I, I watch these for the, the character dynamic. So the the action to mm-hmm. me is is sort of secondary. It's cool to see Woody Harrelson, you know, going off and, you know, Columbus kind of accidentally ending up, you know, shooting a zombie or two. And then, you know, Madison actually mm-hmm. came through with the big save. Um, but but really like that, that kind of to me is the secondary obligatory almost. So the fact that that was a a continuous shot sort of lost on me because I'm okay. I'm more of the mind of okay I'll watch this for a few minutes because I know we got to do some action and you know we're still in the zombie world but I want to get back to how these characters are working together the ultimate conclusion of all that scene with with Luke Wilson and Tom Middleditch dying oh, that made me sad I I wanted to see the two of them, you know, work together for the conclusion of the movie. You know, not just a middle mm-hmm. action scene. I wanted to see Woody Harrelson and Luke Wilson back to back as mirror opposite slash identical twins work. You know what I mean? 
like almost two minds, yeah, like like twins. You know what I mean? Like sure. like he he he, sure. throw, no, he that, throws in the shotgun just in time to swing it around and shoot a zombie who's coming up from behind, and then look out. You know what I mean? Like a like almost like a, a dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of how this this scene was filmed. It was choreographed like that. But I understand what you're saying about the two characters, Albuquerque and Tallahassee, getting into scrapes together and having to save each other's backs. That would have been would have been fun to see. Anyway. That was just a sort of a, a a little bit of a letdown. Is sure. it, it's it's oh that's so cool, and then oh man, because if if anything, like you talked mm-hmm. about, you know, looking at the trailer and knowing the movie was coming out, and none of it really interested you. Um, that did interest me that there was mirror opposites or identicals, however you want to say it, and I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Let's see what they do mm-hmm. with it, because as you said, it's an old gag, yeah. and it is, but an old gag in a new brilliant way. I, I like when you watch the, the same old trope as it were, but used in a brand new, like, Oh, that makes that fresh. Sure. You know, ne- I've never thought about doing yeah. it that way. Or, or even if you do it the exact same way, but you have two high caliber actors doing it better than it's ever been done can, can also make it fresh to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I, if we were introduced to Albuquerque and Flagstaff halfway through instead of two thirds of the way through, and they hung around for about a third of the movie, it would have been more satisfying to see them go out. The joke was supposed to be these guys are the same, but just not as good. But they're also up against the new kind of zombie, the brand new T-800. It's funny that Albuquerque and... Flagstaff had his commandments, and they called those types of zombies something different than T-800s, but. (laughs) Now, see, here's what I'm going to disagree with you slightly and say, I found that very amusing, yes, but I also found it unnecessary uh, because, like I said, zombies are just sort of a faceless thing. You don't need to give them anything else. And again, I felt like giving them these qualities only kind of worked as a little bit of a gag and never really drove the story any further because I would almost argue that at the end of Zombieland, these zombies are already doing things that most typical zombie horror movie zombies don't do, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, the girl used the doorknob um, at the beginning of Zombieland in Jesse Eisenberg's apartment, she turned the handle, and then sure. and then they climbed the ladders to go up to Emma Stone when she was up in the the hot shot ride. And zombies don't climb mm-hmm. ladders; they they can get over things, but in a World War Z sort of fashion, where there's just so many of them piling and piling and piling yeah, on each other, up. and mm-hmm. that that just didn't happen with this. So I already found these zombies to be more clever than your average zombie. Yeah. I think they they just put names to things we had seen before. That's all they. So the girl that could open the door uh, played by Amber Heard in the first movie room 406, or he just called her 406. She, she was probably on the level of a Hawking because she knew how to open doors and she knew how to get around things. And there were some pretty dumb ones in the, in the uh, carnival area that could have been homers, I'm sure. But it's, they just put names to them. And I think that's the point that they were trying to make is, yeah, these zombies, we know what they are. 
we know they're faceless monsters, but we're putting names to them to make them more of a threat. And yeah, it just turned out to be a gag. Was it a good gag? Not necessarily. Um, I think the only way... I didn't like the fact that the Homer was the dumb one and the Hawking was the smart one, but I did like the fact that zombies are starting to evolve. And so they're getting smarter and they're getting more bulletproof, I guess. I don't know how that makes sense, yeah, see, but that's, they are. That's where I don't like I don't like a evolving zombie. Cause that doesn't make sense mm-hmm. for the I guess truest sense of the zombie term. Just a personal thing. Just a personal sure. thing. We can still be friends. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. I'm glad. But yeah, I just I don't I don't I, I, I like, uh-huh. you know, a zombie is a zombie is a zombie. And I don't think it you know, level of intelligence or problem solving ability should should factor into anything. I know they did that in one of the Yeah. It well, it was one of the of the deads. Land, Land of, of the, the dead, dead, I think. Yeah. One was like sort of pumping gas because he used to be a gas station attendant and part of his brain that still remembered that was mm-hmm. having him sort of go through the zombie motions. And that's what I mean. A, a zombie's purpose is to be a faceless obstacle. And it, mm-hmm. and it's like you said, the team needs to come together to figure out how to take on that massive wave. Cause that's, that's where a zombie is the most dangerous, yeah. obviously, you know, singly, as long as they're the slow right. type, you can easily outrun them, Walking Dead style, or you can just, you know, stab them in the face with a, a spear once you're confident enough to do that. Um, but but they're at their their most dangerous. And again, it you know you can get into all sorts of symbolism. You know, herd mentality is what's dangerous, and that's mm-hmm. that's ultimately what you're sure. fighting when you're fighting zombies. Yeah, yeah zombies are so. Anyway, yeah. Every every movie has their own play on it, or not every movie, but many zombie movies are try to do their own play on zombies getting intelligent or part of their brain starting right. to switch back on. Land of the Dead was supposed to get there. George Romero, he when he started making those of the dead movies because zombie movies were becoming popular again, they all kind of went downhill pretty quickly. Yeah, <laughs> you know the the characters go to Babylon and they come up with this great plan to fight off the the horde of T-800s. And they just underestimate how many there are. Um, so much so that Rosario Dawson's character somehow jumps the wall. It doesn't make any sense how, but she jumps the wall in, in that monster truck and starts running over all the zombies in another brutally violent scene that didn't necessarily need, but oh, was yeah. kind of cool to watch. I, I enjoyed her her rescue. That was neat. And then you brought up how Madison saved the day later when they, they dropped like a washing machine on zombies' heads. I don't know how they perfectly dropped them on just the zombies from like 60 stories up, but they did. And it was a cool rescue scene when all the zombies run like lemmings off the building. Again, it had the same feeling as the first movie where there's this this icon in the middle of where they are that's up high that the zombies are trying to get to. It's just, it it seemed like they took the script of the first one and said, all right, we need to just add, uh, they know each other now, so we're going to scratch out where they meet here and put, uh, this is the first time they run away. All right, we're going to scratch it out and say, he proposes, right. so they run away. Um, all right, they're at a carnival. Well, now they're in this town called Babylon. Uh, they have to climb a Ferris wheel, well, or this that slingshot machine. We're going to cross that out and put tower. Just completely. It was too I, I much agree. the same. And, and that's, that's where... 
I think no childhood ruining going on here, but uh, I definitely think it's where it was just kind of flat unnecessary. It didn't it didn't add anything to it. I almost felt like I was watching not even really a continuation of the story as much as just a different way to tell a similar story. Yeah, they have. Okay, there it is. It it felt more like a reboot instead of a sequel. Yeah. And that, but with the same characters, which is an odd direction mm-hmm. to go. And of course, they meant for it to be a sequel, and it, it does follow the continued adventures of, but the fact that it was retreading so mm-hmm. much tonally made it feel, you're right, more like more like a reboot. It's It just seems like, you know, Eric, you and I need to get together and write sequels to movies that don't <laughs> need sequels that are old enough that a new generation will appreciate that we're we're doing homages to the original. That's all. That's all we need to do. That's all that Force Awakens was. That's what this was mm-hmm. to the original. I mean, there are plenty out there. So let's go be rich and all famous right. writers. Well, as soon as this podcast <laughs> is over. Perfect. Well, on that note, Eric, did Zombieland Double Tap ruin what you knew of Zombieland in general? I know I can't say childhood here because it wasn't. It was released in no, 2009. Yeah, but I, I wasn't a child in 2009 could be argued i acted like a child in 2009 but uh mm-hmm. that answer is yes but but uh definitely uh definitely well into adulthood here no definitely didn't ruin it it just um i i would uh, for as much as i did like it and i enjoyed it and it was fun i think i would have preferred it to be one of those movies that kind of stands up there like Shaun of the dead a one shot one done mm-hmm. oh such a great movie so well like i'll leave you wanting more but never give you more i could have been happy with zombie land just being zombie land and then so because if i ever discussed it if somebody brought it up and goes i saw zombie land or and then i heard there's a sequel and it's like oh well let's let's just focus on the first one because you know you there's <laughs> it's basically just a couple more jokes and and that's really it there's nothing even ultra satisfying about it 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 just it just was a thing. And I guess if it's cinema for cinema's sake, I don't know. I, I just, uh, it didn't ruin anything, but it didn't add anything. But the fact that it didn't add anything didn't ruin anything. So. <laughs> Perfect. I'm, you took many of the words right out, right out of my mouth. I think that there's a lot in this movie that is fine, but also a lot that just doesn't make sense with the way, where the world is slash was in 2019 i can't say is i guess because of where we are now with the pandemic but like even the fact that tallahassee got so angry over a hippie named berkeley like that just seems out of place um the one other good joke though that came out of it is that madison had the idea for uber because the world would have gone to crap before uber was invented so that was a funny little bit and and I like Bill Murray's cameo for Garfield three at the very end. There, there were a lot of things that I mm-hmm. chuckled at, but a lot of things that fell super flat. And when I look at the film as a whole, the sequel, the zombie land double tap as a whole, the things that fell flat involved the four main characters. And the things that I enjoyed were the introduction of new characters. So when I really think about it, yeah, it didn't ruin my childhood. It didn't, make my childhood either but what i probably would have enjoyed more so and this is now just me spouting off the cuff is a zombie land sequel that 
has new characters completely. And we just see a different point of view, kind of like how The Walking Dead is creating multiple TV shows and movies in their universe that are all branching off from the main continuity. That's something that I could have probably got behind with Zombieland 2. But following the further adventures of Tallahassee, Columbus, Wichita, and Little Rock just didn't really do it for me. So didn't ruin the childhood, but it's a movie, like I said, I've seen it three times and I think that was three times too many. Well, so here you go, Phil. It's kind of where I sit. From your off-the-cuff spouting. So you start Zombieland 2 double tap with, as you said, a different perspective. You see the theme park from the other side. Not the side where they drive mm. in, but the opposite side. So you can still see the tower. You still see what's happening. And there's two or three characters trapped. And all of a sudden, the zombies leave. And they don't know why. And they look up and they're like, something's going on at the theme park. And then it's like, oh, that's where all mm-hmm. the zombies are going. And then you think for a second, oh, they're going to go jump in. And then you're like, but wait a minute, they can't jump in because then that would change the ending. And we know that they didn't jump in. And then you have them say, why would we mm-hmm. go towards the zombies? The zombies are leaving. We're going this way. And then that's where your movie starts. Yeah. So you still get the tip off. Like these are other people in this world, but but they ran sure. from that danger. They're like, I don't know what that is, but it got rid of the zombies. Let's go. I'd have, I'd appreciate that. Um, another thing I would have appreciated is if we started Zombieland Double Tap with our four main characters and within the first 10 minutes, they're, they're now with a community of others. Within the first 10 minutes, they go on a run and die. And now we're with the others. A nice passing of the torch, so to speak. That could have worked for me too. But retreading the same characters the same nervous energy energy of jesse eisenberg the same chauvinistic character of of tallahassee the aloofness of abigail breslin's character and the alpha female of emma emma stone's character it just didn't need to be done again so i think i i like your idea though that's what we need to write zombie land three and it's from that perspective yeah, in 2009 <laughs> all right well, Eric, where can people find you? People can find me stuck on top of the hot shot, waiting for Woody Harrelson and Jesse Eisenberg to come shoot the place up. Um, or they can find me on Instagram at Eric underscore Walensky. Very nice. And I am at Phil Demo, F-I-L-D-I-M-O, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can also follow the podcast at Podcast Ruined on Twitter. Please shoot us a message uh, at our email address, podcastruined at gmail.com. Write to us on Twitter. Please like and subscribe to the show. Thank you very much for joining us for this look back at Zombieland and Zombieland Double Tap. And we hope that it didn't ruin your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Welcome, everyone, to the Garfield Three Flabby Tabby Junket. You'll each have five minutes. Please keep your questions focused on the film and don't go off topic. The idea of a trilogy was something, as an artist, you think the great ones, Godfather and uh, Lethal Weapon. But the question is, why in the world Garfield Three? Can this be just between us? Yes. Drugs cost money. And I have to say, as an actor, how many of your nine lives do you think you have left? Whoa, well, I've done three of these, three Garfields. So that's six. The essence of Garfield, I think, right. is, is the hairball. <laughs>
Didn't I say, I, I had a feeling this would come up. You don't want to do the hairball really quick just to, to get it out of the way? Just no. Can you try now? Can you give me a little hairball now? Come on. Ah. Ah. Come on. You know, how about if I did it with you? Okay, come on. That was close. So I didn't see it until it came out on video um, or on, you know, on home home release digital. Um, what, you can what did still you say video? If, if yeah, people I don't know what video. that is, they, they can Google it. <laughs> it came out. I, di I didn't see it until it came out on digital. 